0: I got several emails this week. And when I say sons of God, trust me, I'm not being gender specific. You guys all understand that? Yeah. Okay. I just want to address it because I got several emails going, how can we never say daughters? And So I'll try to say sons and daughters. Right? It's 2019. But I was just really, it's, it's really gender specific. It's not gender specific if you understand it. Because they're talking about slavery versus sonship. And that's scriptural language. And really it's a picture because Paul has the revelation, he says, in Christ there's no male, there's no female, there's no Jew, there's no Gentile, we're equals in the body of Christ. And so, trust me all you guys online, I'm, I'm not, that's not who I am if that's who you think. It's, when I say sons of God, it's really this awesome thing because what it was showing is in the Jewish tradition, the firstborn son had double the inheritance which was enough inheritance to take care of all of the family. So when Jesus says, says, he's the firstborn son from the dead, and he's received the inheritance of everything, they even make it better than the Jewish tradition. He says, not only did we receive what the firstborn son gets double inheritance, we received the whole thing. It says we are joint heirs of Jesus Christ. So anyway, I didn't, if, if I offended you ladies, it's not, that's not what I'm talking about. Is, uh, uh, my wife's a co-equal cool in my house. It's not a weird thing. So when I say, I'll slip tonight and say sons of God a lot because scripture talks about it. Because so I think it's a beautiful thing. So I'll try say daughters too. Okay, Elizabeth, is that fair? You're young. Does that offend you like a millennial? I didn't think so, but I, I got several emails, so I thought I better address it because I'm like, that's weird. Yeah. You know, trust me, if I was, if I was, I would hear from it if it was, right? If it was actually, if I was meant something to be discriminatory, I'd, I'd get this little feisty thing after me, I promise you. And so, and she's awesome about it, which uh, I love. But uh, I wanted to cover just this inheritance thing again because it's a huge theme all through Scripture. And I want to just kind of show you how to how to read Scripture and interpret it, get a better understanding of what's going on. People are texting me and emailing me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess she, Jeremiah, I'll answer you later. So... It's funny. It's, it's actually really good, but I'm not going to read it here. So <clears throat> anyway, you got to come privately to hear that one. So, all right, let, let's just go to the first slide. I want to get into this. Just a real quick message here, like Barb was talking about. So every Sunday night, 630, but special one, July 28th, the last Sunday of this month, Brad's going to come in and, and uh, be with us at our house. So if you're tuning in online, um, you can do that. But if you're local, hey, we'll do our, our normal house fellowship. Bring a a snack, uh, casseroles are best <laughs> stuff. Hey, I just—I I tell you, I will be forever indebted to Brad Jurzak and Baxter Kruger. Those guys, man, they—they they rocked my world with New Covenant or early church teaching. And it was like, so if you're around, show up. These guys—they've been fighting the good fight for so long, and they get beat up by everybody. Because they're teaching the truth, which is pretty amazing. It's, uh, it's no different. Jesus came in and, and taught Jesus. <laughs> he taught, this is who the Father really is, and this is who I am. And, and you see what the religious establishment does to him. And so these guys have just been beat up their whole lives. And man, I will honor these guys forever. Because uh, it changed me big time. I was like, this is Awesome. This is an awesome gospel. So anyway, uh, I'd appreciate if you're around to, to, to support those guys. That would be awesome. So let's get into the good news really quickly. So anyway, <clears throat> all right. Now, I, I want to share scripture with you. I, this is a little review because repetitiveness needs to happen for to really get it into you. But uh, Hebrews... The Hebrews is the crosser From an old covenant to a new covenant is really what's going on here. And so this old covenant is types and shadows, meaning are pieces, there's scriptures, there's, uh, they didn't see clearly. There's still a veil there. They couldn't see perfectly. They couldn't see, um, what are other ways to how it's described? It's not the real thing. It's inspired. It's people were getting bits and pieces like the prophets of old, as Hebrews talks about. But Jesus came and showed us what, what we just sang about. It's like, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. All of you guys were, were getting pieces of what I looked like. It was pointing to something, but it wasn't the real thing. And, and so this is what Hebrews is talking about. I'm going to read this first part out of the mirror. Hebrews 1.1. 1, 1. And so throughout ancient times, God spoke in many fragments and glimpses of prophetic thoughts to our fathers. Those are the prophets of old and, you know, all these scriptures that they thought... But if you go read all this Old Testament scripture, they had a false identity. They thought we were separated from God, and God was angry at man. And so, God spoke in many fragments and glimpses of prophetic thought to our fathers. Now, this entire conversation has finally dawned in sonship, meaning Jesus really revealed what we've always been. Suddenly, what seemed to be an ancient language falls fresh and new like the dew on tender grass. He is the sum total utterance of God. So this is where I'm so thankful to Brad and, and Baxter and these these uh, Peter N's. Uh, if you haven't ever listened to him, he, he does a podcast called The Bible for Normal People. Or what does it say, Bible for Normal People? What is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bible for Normal People? Just Peter N's, E-N-N-S. It's awesome. And all these guys are PhD theologians, masters of the early church, which um, it's kind of funny. <laughs> I think I showed a slide once before. It says... Where basically, it, if it's, oh, I wish I had it. Um, I'm, I'm going to find it real quick because it will bother me. Are we okay with that? Because okay, it's so good. I, was, I think Brad Jurczak posted it. And it's, it's so spot on for, uh, duh, 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 duh. yeah, I found it. Cool. That was, so <clears throat> the, this is classic. So Heresy. You know, if you if you preach the unconditional love of Jesus, you'll be called a heretic. You guys know that, right? Never changes. Just, Jesus said that it, as the law persecuted grace. It's still that way. But it says heresy that special moment when you have a greater spiritual insight than the apostles, than the disciples, than the apostolic fathers, the church, and the magisterium, because they gave you a Bible that they wrote, compiled, and gave to you. <laughs> That sums it up right there. They're like, well, the Bible says like, why don't we go listen to what the guys who compiled the Bible, what they taught. And it's so refreshing. It's so good to me. So anyway, um, in fact, let me just keep reading the next two verses out of the mirror. So Hebrews one. So remember this, this book is written to the Jews. Like all these old Testament stories and types are really about crossing from an old covenant, which was symbolized by slavery, which was symbolized by works, um, into sonship, son and daughtership. It's just weird for me to say. But, um, meaning that you were never separated from God. You're unconditionally loved by uh, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so verse Hebrews 1-2, it says, In sonship, there's that word, God declares the incarnate word to be the heir of all things. He is, after all, the author of the ages. We have our beginning and our being in him. Sunship endorses airship. Verse three: Jesus is the crescendo of all of God's conversations. So all these old covenant scriptures were pointing, and then He's the crescendo is what He's saying. Everything that God had in mind for mankind is voiced in Him. So Jesus is like is supposed to be what redeemed man looks like. It's supposed to be what our life looks like, and so <clears throat> He's the radiant and flawless expression of the person and intent of God. He mirrors God's character, <clears throat> exhibits His every attribute in human form. He is the voice of God, announcing our redeemed innocence. By his own doing, he accomplished purification for sins and sat down, enthroned in the boundless measure of his majesty at the right hand of God as the executive authority, the force of the universe, upholding everything that exists. His voice is the dynamic that sings the entire cosmos. <clears throat> everything God had in man, in mind for man is voiced in him. Jesus is God's language. His name declares his mission. As Savior of the world, he truly redeemed the image and likeness of the invisible God and made him apparent again in human form like a mirror. not that good? So if you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. But here's the real revelation. If you've seen Jesus, who have you seen? Yourself. That's was as if in a mirror. And the Spirit will transform you into the same image as you gaze at him. You go, that's insane instead of the bracelet, what would Jesus do? It's That's who I am. Isn't that awesome? And that transforms you into that. It's really really fascinating. So anyway, uh, let's just keep going here. So this whole idea, the real message of the whole scriptures is to show you who you've always been and who God's always been. That he loves you perfectly and you've always been a son and daughter in a loving family. Got it? so Deuteronomy thirty-two eighteen, you were unmindful of the rock that begot you you forgot the God who gave you birth James 1 24, you, we've forgotten what manner of people we are we have forgotten the face of our birth and so I just wrote Jesus successfully rescued the real you not the pseudo make-believe you God has never believed less of you than what he was able to communicate in the sonship of Jesus that Jesus mirrored and redeemed everything God had in mind for us is clearly expressed in Jesus is in the mirror isn't that good that is good. So if you've seen Jesus, so this is what Hebrews is talking about because if you keep going through Hebrews it talks about they had a temple, they had a priest, they had a, they had these sacrifices, they all these and always the is, but this Jesus is much better. The the new temple's much better. And by the way, who's where does heaven meet earth today? You, you're the temple. Isn't that cool? So all of it was really about Jesus and really about you. So anyway, so this whole idea of Hebrews it's the transition. So let's go to this next slide. Journey, I promise I'll be fast on these slides. So, Because <clears throat> um, she goes, oh my God, there's a lot of slides. I said, I'll be fast tonight, okay? So Joshua 1.1, we've all talked about this, right? Where the first five books, the Torah, Moses doesn't get into the promised land. That's very significant, right? Because the law, he represents the law. The law cannot get you in. Nobody can be righteous following the law is what it says. It makes you weak and beggarly. The weak and beggarly elements of the law. So Genesis, Exodus, and I heard from a lot of you guys too, you said you did, Sarah Weeb, I remember yours. She goes, we sang that too. And did you too, Elizabeth? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, then first, and second, Samuel, first, and Chronicles. See, I still remember it as a little kid, right? And I remember, I loved my, my, we were really poor, and I remember we had this brown suit that as I grew, like your pants starts going like that you know, and then I would still wear it though, and I had white socks with with church shoes, you know, be like that with white socks, and I'm looking at pictures, I go, how come my mother never stopped me going to church looking like that, but I was proud of my suit, man, so anyway, now I'm proud that I haven't worn a tie in many years, which is really exciting to me, so anyway, so the law has to die, This, this whole idea, this slavery, this law thing, so Yeshua is Jesus, right, this is where we start, Yeshua 1. Yeshua, so Genesis, Exodus, Numbers, Deuteronomy represents the law. And what does it say about Yeshua? A different translations say that Moses, the, your, the servant, is dead. So the old covenant dies. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, see the language here? And that, I still that's mostly what's taught in Christianity. You need to serve the Lord, right? And Jesus made it very clear. He said, Peter, if you want to partake of the divine life, you've got to let me serve you. We've got this thing backwards, right? So anyway, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the sword said to who? Yeshua, right? Moses' aid. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then you and all these people get ready to cross the river Jordan. Crossing the River Jordan was always symbolic. They were crossing into the what land? Promised land. What's a promise? If God promises you an inheritance, that's what it's all about. The promised land was significant that you're going to be an heir, you're going to be a son or daughter in the family worthy of everything I have because I promised it, not because you have to earn it. Get it? So, all right, <clears throat> pretty simple. I've talked about this quite a bit. So all these people got ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to you. It's inheriting, it's give language, inheritance language. To the Israelites, I will give every place where you set your foot. So, if we're heir of all things, that's this, it's just language that he's portraying, that's what Jesus is going to do. I will give you every, every place where you set your foot, as I what Moses promised. This is the promised land. So, Your territory will extend from the desert to the Lebanon, from the great river, the Euphrates, the Hittite country, to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. So when Jesus sends the Spirit, does he use the same language? I'll never leave you nor forsake you. We're still battling that in religion, like... He leaves you based on your sin or something, right? So mankind has a distorted view of who they are. This idea of slave servant must die and be replaced with the inheritance of sonship in the Father's house. That was Jesus's message. So, I just want to cover one more thing in Joshua. If we go to this next slide, you've heard me say this too. So, old covenants type and shadows, and this is fun to me is when you get into Scripture looking for the types and shadows. And I could go. There's so much in here because as in this part, in Joshua 3, if you want to look at it, after three days, they get up and they go over into the promised land and all these different things. But anyway, now choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. When the feet of the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, touch down in the waters of the Jordan, its flowing waters will be cut off and stand up in a heap. So, flood waters is always a picture of what? The judgment, right? And... Under the law, what's your judgment? Death. Right? It's finality. It's under the law. And that's why it says he set us free from the law of sin and death. Right? In, In Romans 5, it says, as in Adam all die, and Christ all will live. Really hard to explain that one away. So... It says now this is what's cool to me though so when the people broke camp to cross the jordan the priest carrying the ark of the covenant ahead of him. now the jordan overflows its banks throughout this harvest season this is key too because doesn't jesus say hey the harvest is plentiful right so <clears throat> the priest carrying the ark of the covenant ahead of him. now the jordan overflows its banks throughout the harvest season but as soon as the priest carrying the ark reached the jordan and their feet touched the water's edge what happened Flood water stood still. It backed up as far upstream as the first man. Is that cool or is that cool? I think that is so cool to me. So, and then Jesus fulfills it. Did I write all that? I forgot what I wrote. When Jesus was baptized in the Jordan, the law died and all judgment and sin consciousness was removed all the way back to Adam, which literally just means the first Adam blood man, the first man. So all judgment, all sin, when the high priest and the Ark of the Covenant step into the river Jordan... What happens to sin? Disappears all the way to the very first man. You see that? All judgment disappears. So when Jesus, uh, as Jesus, ri- so the distorted image of slavery is portrayed by the old covenant died. <clears throat> the, as Jesus rises from the Jordan, I've taught this so many times, I don't need to go into this, but that is portraying John the Baptist and Jesus. So when John the Baptist sees Jesus at the river Jordan, he says, behold, the Lamb of God, that takes away the sin of creation. Cosmos is what it says. And it's, it's prophesied in Joshua. Isn't that cool? So when John the Baptist sees Jesus, he's, he's, uh, he's going to be the next high priest by lineage, and Jesus literally is the Ark of the Covenant. Paul tells us that. He is the mercy seat. He's the propitiation of our sins. All of that's a picture of him. And, um, hmm, how much trouble do I want to get in this week? Uh... uh Hmm. Um, <laughs> I'll be a good boy tonight, so, oh, see, and it's not, it's, it's so crazy, because it's not even controversial to me, it's like this really, really good news, anyway, um, mm. yeah, it's, it's not, it doesn't really matter, so, we're no longer slaves. That's what When Jesus goes under the water, the judgment, and he comes out, what happens? The dove comes, right? The spirit of the Lord comes. So the old covenant of stones dies, and the Holy Spirit is given. Follow me? All scripture is really about the same story. And, you know, it, I, was, I was reading, um, oh, is it 3 John 1 where it says, Beloved of all, of all else, I want you to prosper and be in good health. I think it's 3 John 1. Some of you guys that know your Bible really well, I have to ask my wife. I said, what's this scripture? And I Google it. If, if, you, if you know how to speak King James, you can find any scripture. So, because I, I learned the Bible in King James, so. But here's what it says, beloved above all else, I want you to prosper and be in health as your soul prospers. So all messages have to be about revelation of who you are and the love of the Father, right? Because that's the only way your soul prospers. But that's, that's the job of ministry, if there's going to be ministry, is to show them and all of us who we really are and how, how the Father really loves us unconditionally, period. End of story. It says, you will prosper and be in health as that soul prospers. So any real ministry's job, in my opinion, is to keep pounding the message of who they are, what we were just singing about, that you're perfectly loved, you're a son, you're an heir, and all these scriptures are just different ways to look at the same message. Cool all right so so that's what all that's portraying he's the lamb that took away the sin of the world they go under the river Jordan just like as soon as the priest carried the ark and as soon as they touched that water all judgment went back all the way to the first man is that cool or is that cool so that's why he says I've removed sin as far as the east is from the west Right? meaning if you go east are you ever going to go west so sin is as far away from you as what He's trying to show you that it's, you can't get there from here, right? It's so far away that you should never have sin consciousness again. And sin is just distorted image of who we are. So what, that's why in Hebrews 2 it says, the blood of Jesus should remove all sin consciousness. It should remove all consciousness of judgment all the way back to the first man, right? I think a lot of us have this picture of like Adam and Eve are going to be there and we're going to go kick his butt. Like you got me into this thing, right? <laughs> I used to think that. I'm like, doggone it, man. Who's this Adam dude? You mean, because it was bad news to me. Like, how many guys had a choice to be born? I didn't. In fact, my mom was on the pill, I found out. So I was a total mistake. So, (laughs) is that funny? (laughs) I've been called worse. So, uh, what's that? Yeah, 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 it's like, one day, mom. Right, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, but Barbara and I, because we, we didn't understand early church theology at the time, we're like, we had no choice in this matter. But if we don't make the perfectly right choice in this limited span of our life, then we're hosed the rest of our life. This is an unfair deal. Does anybody go through that theologically? I, I remember going through that. Like, hey, I didn't choose to come here. This wasn't my choice. And so that's where it makes so much sense, as in Adam, all die in Christ, all shall live. Adam is a forerunner, or a type and shadow of the one to come, of the good things to come. So anyway, is that, you guys got this? That's the type and shadow. All right, let's go keep going in the slides. So Jesus comes to reveal all this. Now, I just wanna go through the, the, the parables real quick, because this is, this is the problem of humanity, I believe this. This is my problem, this is your problem. If, we're, if there's any issue in our life, we don't know how much we're loved, That's by, period. So if there's anything going on in my life that, that isn't, uh, doesn't display the life of Jesus, it's just I don't have light in that area yet. I might think I do. I might have head knowledge of it, but it hasn't become flesh yet. It hasn't really, the light hasn't come totally on. And so all I'm trying to do is show you how Jesus comes and he says, this is what the fathers really like, so Luke 15, 1, the tax collectors and sinners were gathered around to hear Jesus. The tax collectors and sinners were they? Did the Jews look at them as the good guys or the bad guys? Bad guys, right? They're out of furries tonight, whatever. That was Barb and I's old haunt, so gotten lots of arguments out of furries. guys know what a furries is? Yes, good food. <laughs> we didn't go there for the food, so. Uh, Ophiris was fun back now. It's now it was kind of a dive. So anyway, now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathered around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man even welcomes sinners and eats with them. How dare he, right? And then Jesus, instead of uh, scolding them, he goes into the parables. Jesus responds with three parables to correct their thinking of who they are and what the father is truly like if you start going through the parables, right? And so the first parable is of the lost sheep, right? Now, That lost sheep, did the owner of the sheep go, you're too sinful, I can't look at you? No. Does Jesus ever change? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So he's telling us, let me tell you about the father. You think that I'm upset about the sinner, but let me tell you what he's really like, right? So then he goes into that parable. He says, parable of the lost sheep, even even though we were lost in our thinking, God still considered us as the shepherd. He was the shepherd and we were sheep. A good shepherd will do what to a lost sheep? The shepherd will go find the sheep, right? And not now when I understand theology, it's, it's kind of comical to me when like, uh, I found the Lord, and I, I joke about this all the time. I go, you can't find your iPhone. That's why we have apps to find your iPhone. <laughs> There's no way you found divinity. He had to find you, right? Because I've used the... Where's my iPhone app multiple times? We've got five iPhones in my house and iPads and everything else. So, you guys, any of you guys have it on your keys? I thought about that, look, you have your keys. Do you, do you lose your keys a lot? Yeah, yeah. Where's my wife? She's, oh, okay. So uh, we have this thing where all the keys are supposed to go. Guess who never puts the keys there? That, yeah, exactly, it's my wife too. I was like, sweet, where are the keys? Oh, they're in my purse. How can they're not on the thing? Because they're in my purse. I'm like, right. Correct. <laughs> anyway, it's just, that's, the, that's our personalities, right? I'm like, how come I can put the keys on there every time I come into the... We're just engineers. We're anal that way, aren't we? Like, Yeah. So we put the keys in the same place every time, right? Exactly. Why can't everybody be like us? Life would just be so easy, right? <laughs> oh, no. Anyway, so here, the whole point of what Jesus is trying to do is he's like, "You think that there's separation between the Father and these sinners? Let me tell you what he's really like. If you lo- and he's giving them earthly examples because if they if they had a if they lost a sheep, any of the the Jewish shepherds would go do what to the sheep? Go find it. And if one fell in a pit on the Sabbath, what would they do? They would go get it, even though it violates the law, because it had to do with what? Right? So he's exposing them was really what he's doing. So, the parable of the lost sheep, even though we were lost in our thinking, the good shepherd will go find all 100. I think that's fascinating. He'll leave the 99 and go find the lost sheep, which is really a picture of all of us. And rejoice when we repent. Repent is not stop sinning. Repent is... He will rejoice when we do what? When we change our mind, when we realize how much we're loved and how much he is loved. He will rejoice in that fact. Because he was just as happy with us no matter what. He never keeps record of wrong. What he's joyful and, and totally happy about is when we finally see who we are and who he is, that we're unconditionally loved. That's where the rejoicing comes. Got it? All right, so that's the first parable. And they're all really the same parable. The lost sheep, he'll go find it. Right? He's not upset with the sinner. He'll go find the sinner and bring them back to show that they're unconditionally loved. So the parable of the lost coin, again, we were lost. We're the lost coin, right? We were lost, but this Francois does such a great job with this. Did the coin, if you, have a, if you have a silver dollar bill and you lose it, it's somewhere in your house. Is it still your coin? Does it still have the same value? Does somehow you crave it even a little bit more when you can't find it? Get it? It never lost its value. We thought we lost our value and had to do works to get back, but it never lost our value. So then the last, uh, so again, while we were lost, but we never lost value or worth it in the father's eyes. And then the parable of the two sons, the prodigal son, it should really be told the love of the father. Got it? And let's just go through that prodigal son real quick, the next slide, just as a review, and then we'll, we'll kind of finish this up. I just, I wanted to go over this a little bit more because I can't tell you how many emails I got where People had never heard this concept of slavery versus sonship, the disparity between the old and new. You guys have heard this a lot from me, haven't you? But I got a ton online, emails like, I've never heard this. I go, wow. So I wanted to go through it in a little more depth. So here's the last parable, Luke 15, 11. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to the father, uh, father, give me your share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after the younger son got together, all he had set off for the distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living. So if you have a legalistic mindset, is he going to be angry at the son? Yeah, right? I can't believe he did this. How are you responsible? So <clears throat> he set off for the distant country and squandered his wealth in wild living. Verse 17. When he came to his senses, he said, how, of my, how many of my fathers hired what? Servants. He's still got the servant mentality. Have food to spare. Here I am starving to death. I will set out again and go back to my father and say to him, father, I've sinned against heaven, against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. That was the condition of mankind. And I I really i have heard this preached for the last couple thousand years. Almost every service I've ever been in as you're not worthy until you do something. That is old covenant slave mentality. Jesus is gonna show you what the father really is like. Okay? So that's our problem. We don't think we're worthy. When we know we're perfectly loved and worthy as a joint heir of Jesus Christ, ask and it's yours because... You already own it. You're a joint heir, so your joy may be full. So I'm getting ahead of myself. I will still go back to Father and say, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of the hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. And see, this is such good language to me. He was such a long way off, because scripture says, while you were still dead in your sin, I died for you. We were still... A million miles away. That's why it's kind of comical to me when people say, I found him. <laughs> your Bible says you didn't, but okay, right? But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, was filled with what? Not gnashing of teeth, anger like the, the Pharisees and Sadducees, compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven, against you, I'm no longer willing to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe. Does it say the worst robe? Bring the best robe on, put it on, put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. That's really critical too because in the old covenant, Moses had to take his shoes off because it was holy ground. New covenant, the son doesn't think he's worthy. He wasted everything on wild living. Moses was much better, wasn't he? Moses was much better. And Moses under the old covenant says, no, if you think you have to go earn it, take your shoes off. But now we think we can't earn it I'm not worthy, and what does is, what is the father say? No, you're worthy. Put the slippers on. So this is, I, I guarantee you, the, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees are, are gnashing their teeth right now, really upset, because that's portrayed by the older brother, which I'm not going to go into. But was the older brother really happy that the, that the prodigal son was perfectly loved by the father? He was irritated, wasn't he? And I'm telling you, grace stirs that up. The, the gospel of unconditional love stirs that up because people who have worked their whole life for it get really ticked. Don't they? You guys seen it, Ruben? You say, yeah? Yeah, I, you should see the stuff I get in email. It's like people who resist good news, really, they'll do everything in there to to make sure their work still count. And that's the whole parable of when when they went into the field, right? And he hired some early, and then he hired the others at the end of the day, and what did they each get? The same. Didn't that tick a works guy off? <laughs> I worked all day in the sun. This guy just came in and he's got the same deal. That's the same story. Same story, just different parable, right? Whether you work this much or you work that little, you get the same inheritance. It's beautiful, actually. And then Jesus, Jesus even says, hey, why are you upset with me if I want to just be good to people in, in that parable? Isn't it? So he says, hey, you agreed to work that hard. I didn't tell you to work that hard. Moses, this was your idea. That's what it says. Moses, this was your idea to instill the law and require sacrifice. That wasn't my idea. I hated it. Jesus tells us that. So anyway... The father said to the servant, quick, bring the best robe on. Put it on and put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. So that we're at the, the marriage feast of the lamb, guys. We're, every, there's nothing to wait for. You guys get it? You're worthy of it all. You're not worthy of the scraps. You're worthy of the best robe. The slippers on the feet meant I don't have to work for my inheritance because the servants were outside barefoot but if you wanted to go in the house, you put slippers on your feet. That's why he says, "Put shoes on them, put slippers on them," because that shows he's the household members and the slaves serve them. Cool? Does this make sense to you? Yes. So that's what he's trying to tell you. No matter what you've done, you're worthy of the best robe. That's really hard to get in our minds, isn't it? Ah, oh, thank you, Father. <laughs> tell about you, but I've done some things in my life. Adolf furries. <laughs> <laughs> you, i know you haven't michael but anyway barbara and i have so huh well our first date was a motley crew concert that ought to tell you something so a great concert though I'm telling you it was a great concert kickstart your heart tour mcnichols arena then they tore it down the next year so anybody ever go to a concert at mcnichols arena Isn't that fun red rocks is still the best though we should do that as a group just go to red rocks it's so good i, I just love it it's i, I think it's awesome Hello, this is Red Rocks. So, all right. Let's go. To the, you guys know what that's from? You too. Under a blood red sky that, hello, this is Red Rocks, because it's recorded live. Anyway, I'm a music guy. So, all right. So, this whole idea of slavery's got to end. Sonship's got to get into our minds and our hearts, right? So, Romans eight fourteen. we covered this last week, but I want to review it again. For those who are led by the, what? Okay, Jesus goes under the water at the River Jordan. As soon as the, the high priest <clears throat> and the Ark of the Covenant touch the, the water, what happens? All judgment goes back to this, the first Adam. Sin is completely removed, right? And then what did everybody do? They, I didn't continue, but all the Israelites did what? Crossed on dry ground. They crossed into the what land? Promised land, not the servant slave land. See the picture? So when the true fulfillment of this, Jesus and John the Baptist go into the River Jordan, the high priest in the Ark of the Covenant, he comes out, What's, what descends? The spirit. So the old covenant, the law, the stones is replaced by the spirit, something spiritual, something to believe, something in our hearts and minds, not something to, not rules to follow. Got it? So as soon as that happens, all of us have entered into the promised land right if you get this typology in this that's what he's saying so when the spirit comes all of you have inherited something you no longer have to work for it you don't have to be a slave for it that old covenant system has died Moses your servant has died you now are heir of all things because but how do we receive them we receive them by what we believe right so it does matter what message you listen to if you message to a legalistic if you listen to legalistic messages even a sliver of leaven does what to the whole lump? Ruins the whole lump, right? And that's not sin, that's legalism. That's what Jesus said, beware of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, right? Most of us now is like, beware of the grace guy. It's dangerous, false prophet. <laughs> Those are all the emails I get. I'm like, I'm just happy though. I'm happy about the good news. So anyway, I just think it's comical. So anyway, for those who are led by the spirit are the true sons, not, not flesh as Israelites, not, not trying to work it and be good enough. That's not how you receive sonship. Daughtership too. Daughter of Abraham, all you email people. So for those who are led by the spirit of God are our children of God. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves. There's this, narr- there's this idea again. You don't have to work for your inheritance, guys, so that you live in fear again. One John tells us the same thing. Hey, perfect love does what to fear? Casts out fear. So any message that you have any fear of, of his wrath, his torment, um, is that the gospel? Cannot be, right? If, you, if, you, if we believe John, he says perfect love casts out fear because fear has the idea of torment. Right? So when, this is the whole message. Anyway, the spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, daughtership, same thing. And by him we cry, Daddy, he's our our father. We're, We're a family member. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. All of us were children at some point. We were birthed by our parents. So if we're God's children... Who were we birthed by? The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's our true origin. That's our true birth. That's all humanity's true birth. There's nothing alive that can be alive without the source of life, which is Jesus Christ. If we just think through this stuff, right? So every human being has the spirit in them, even if they didn't have the man of God laid hands on them. They were birthed with it. Birthed with it. That's what Peter says at Pentecost. He's like, man, don't you get it? All spirit has been poured out on everybody that has skin. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Do they understand it? No. That's why that's really the true evangelism, to show what's already true about themselves. So anyway, <clears throat> so here's Paul's reasoning. And by him, we, we, we're not slaves anywhere. By him, we cry, Daddy, he's our dad. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. We're birthed from him. So if, if my kids are birthed in the Popovich family, how much of the Popovich inheritance do my kids get? If I'm a good dad, all of it, right? I'm not going to play favorites like some people. Like, well, they get this and they're irritants, so they get my card collection. Or whatever, right? Weird how people do that stuff. So anyway, now f- then here's the argument, which I just love. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs. And if we're heirs of God, we are co-heirs with Christ. We're joint heirs with Jesus Christ is what King James says. If indeed we shared in his sufferings, meaning his death. So when Jesus went into the river Jordan, that means he died. And Paul's revelation was if one died, how many died? All died. And then if he rose and seated at the right hand of the Father, where are we? Paul tells us in Ephesians, any other thing you hear, any principle, any other teaching that says above all principles, all powers, anything you hear, They're garbage. The one principle you need to know is you're seated far above any other thought, and you're seated in the place of honor as my bride and as a son and daughter, a family member worthy of everything God has. That's the final principle. That's the final word of God. Is that good or is that good? So that changes our prayer life, in my opinion, right? At least it should. I still mess it up sometimes. Isn't he good? Even when you mess it up, he still makes it work. So good. You can't screw it up, guys. That's what's so awesome. I, I, sometimes I think people still think, well, I'm not sure if I'm doing it right. There's no right. It's all right. <laughs> it says, he takes our messy prayers and makes them perfect to the Lord. Isn't that awesome? So anyway, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his weightiness, his glory, his gavote, he is the radiance of God's life. He's what, he's what mankind, he's what our life should look like. That's exciting to me, Right? That's what I'm trying to get all of us is to live to the full measure of the stature of Christ. So, uh, in fact, we we were meeting with the Batas because they're going on this mission trip in Puerto Rico and they wanted to talk about prayer for healing, healing prayer. I said, you know what's amazing, guys? When I don't feel anything and I pray, it just still works. So, So they're like, well, how do we do it? Just do it. And it'll work. That's why it'll shock you, right? It's awesome. So when you're praying, and then he tells us, so... This is all covenant language in John. We'll finish with this again because I, I really want you to get this. You're not slaves. A slave doesn't mean you're own. In Paul's writings, he's talking about a slave was, I have to work and I never can get into the house. No matter how hard I work and get into there. He goes, that idea is gone. You're born from me, and so you're a son and a daughter. Perfectly loved. Because if he's love and I'm birthed from him, so I'm birthed in love. So how am I going to respond? What's the best way that we, that we can get people to believe? Love. Know they're loved, right? Love never fails. There's all other methods, pray in tongues this long, fast this long, get into the word more, all the things most of we, we, all of us have done our whole life. The one thing that works every time is to know you're loved. That's it, isn't that good? Then you'll be filled with the fullness of God is what it says. <laughs> so anyway, so John's telling us, I will ask the father, if he's, see, they didn't even dare call him a father. But now John's saying, you can call him dad. Whoa, we thought God was this distant guy. Isn't that what most of you guys were taught in religion? He's so holy, he can't look at you. Yet Jesus looked at all the sinners and had fun with them. And he's, he's, if you've seen Jesus, you've seen the father in flesh. And he never changes. So that's weird, isn't it? If we think through this at all. Jesus loved us. He hated the old covenant servant system. He hated it, actually. He says, I don't like this. He always pushed back on the Pharisees and Sadducees. So John 14, I will ask the Father. He will give you another advocate to be with you forever, which is what? The Spirit. What does that Spirit testify about us? That we're joint heirs of Jesus Christ. That Spirit is not a fear of slavery where he's going to punish us if we're not good. That Spirit is, he's my dad, and he's unconditional love. That's the Spirit, okay? So this advocate will be with you forever, we saw that in Joshua. It says, just like Moses, I will be with you forever, and I'll never leave you or forsake you. Verse 20, on that day, when you get this, guys, on that day, when you get the spirit of sonship, you will know that I'm in my Father, you're in me, and I'm in you. The three-chord strand that's hard to break. When you get that you're one with the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, union, covenant, marriage, language, all that, right? So, then in that day, you will no longer question me or ask me anything, because they're questioning him, hey, show us the Father, if you go look at it in context, he goes, you won't ask me all that stuff anymore, because you're going to realize, truly, truly, I tell you, I always look for the truly, truly, surely, surely's, amen, amens, that Paul, Jesus, all read about, because he's really trying to hammer a point home, so here's what he's trying to hammer this home, truly, truly, I tell you, it's one of my favorite scriptures in all, all the Bible, whatever you ask the Father, knowing that you're an, a full joint heir in my family, whatever my name qualifies you for. And he was made a joint heir of the entire cosmos is what it says, right? And we're joint heirs of that. So how much is available to you and I? The whole thing. Every, everything that Jesus lived is available to us. Isn't that cool? And he tells us that. Hey, greater things you're gonna do because I go to my father because I'm gonna send you a spirit and the spirit should be testifying that you're the same as me. That's good. So, in that day, you'll no longer ask me anything. Truly, truly, I tell you, whatever you ask the Father, knowing what you, as a family member in my family, he works in mysterious ways. Sometimes he answers, sometimes he doesn't. No. It says, whatever you ask, knowing my name qualifies you, what happens? He gives it to us. Until now, you've not asked me for anything in my name because you never dared. You didn't even dare write my name. Right? They wouldn't even write out Yahweh because it was too holy. They thought we were so far from God. Imagine how tough that would be. Jesus goes, he destroys all the things, drinks wine, eats, eats, eats in Moses' lawn on the Sabbath, and all these crazy things. He goes, by the way, I'm God. Follow me. <laughs> I get why they were like, no, time out, right? So until now, you haven't asked anything in my name because you didn't know you were qualified. You, had, you didn't get the spirit of sonship yet. You didn't get the revelation that you're a son. Were we always sons? Yes, yes if we look at the parables. Did we ever lose our value? Only in our minds. Only in man's fallen mind, the Diablos, the fallen mindset. The Diablos is literally what that means. Until now, you've, you didn't realize you could. You were sons. Ask, you shall receive, so that your joy may be complete or full, is what King James says. Isn't that awesome? So guys, whatever you're leading, whatever you're looking for, here's how it all works. Spend some time. As Jesus is, so are we in this world. It's another one of my favorite scriptures. 1 John 4, 17, I think is what it is. Um, Ask, you shall receive so your joy may be full. Before I get into prayer, I meditate on that one a lot. Ask, I shall receive so that my joy may be full. And then I also go through, for me anyway, I, I try to look at covenant relationships. I go, how much do I love my kids? If I need anything and I have it, am I gonna withhold it from them? I'm not if I'm a good dad, right? And if my bride asks me for anything, whether she's a good bride or not, if I'm a good husband, I do what? I give it to her because we're one. I meditate on those things. I go, you know what? And Jesus says, if we understand that being an evil <laughs> generation, how much more does perfect love understand it? He's given us earthly things. He goes, if you guys do this, and you're bad at it, that's what he's trying to say. I, I own this whole system of, of, of love. If you understand it being where you only see partly of what you are, how much more if you realize my unconditional love for you, you shall receive so your joy may be full. See Paul's, or John's argument here? You guys get it? So how loved are you? Perfectly. So if you ask for anything that his name qualifies for you, will you receive it? Yes. Is that assurance? Is that assurance? Sleep well and snore. Right? You don't have to stay up at night for that one. and I know this stuff and I still have sleepless nights sometimes. It's so bad, isn't it? I'm like, what is wrong with me? Guess what? My mind's not stayed on heavenly things, right? The people go, has anything ever happened to you? Yes, add add a thousand of you knuckleheads to your life. See what happens. (laughs) All kinds of stuff happens. (laughs) So, and I'm talking about me too. I'm not, hey, you guys get it, right? We're just as human as you. I'm, I'm preaching that myself most of the time when I'm going through this. You guys know that, right? So, all right, last slide. We'll finish. You can get to your feet. Is this good? Is this starting to make sense? I won't hammer this anymore next week. I, I, I just wanted to go through these scriptures again and hopefully shed a little more light because I got so many. I've never heard that, that this slave sonship thing. So, daughtership thing. So, you're worthy to receive his very best as a beloved son or daughter. See, I put it there. You can never lose, you can never lost your inheritance. That's really bad English. So, you can never lose your inheritance because of his, because of his works, not yours. Because that's what they thought, they thought in the prodigal son, right? Look at this guy. He's wasted his inheritance. His riotous living is what some scriptures say. Jesus, if you really understood the covenant, you wouldn't even eat with those guys. He eats with sinners. and He goes, you guys have all missed it. Let me tell you what the father's really like. They never lost their inheritance. In fact, I'm going to go drag them back into my family so that they realize they've always been loved and that everything I've always have is theirs. That's the father. He'll never change. So if you've blown it, you know what the good news is? He restores everything. He even makes your mistakes to prosper. Isn't that good news? I've used that scripture a lot, too. Whew. Thank you, Father. It's me again. (laughs) I know none of you do that, but I do. It's me again. I blew it again. What are you talking about? Put the best robe on. Put the ring on. Put the shoes on. Let's have a party. You're my son. Everything I have is yours. Isn't that awesome? That's awesome to me. So you're a joint heir in Jesus. Jesus is what the Father has in mind for our life. If you want to know what your life can look like, look at Jesus. As we look at his life and go, that's me. It says the Spirit himself changes us into that image because we realize we're a joint heir. So when we pray for the sick, what happens to the sick? They heal. They heal. It's not because we fasted enough to not be anything. It's really just, for me, it's understanding the power that works in me is so much greater than what I even think. We just release it. So anyway, when you pray, you can trust in his limitless love and power for you. This is, this is, my, this is what I love. It's, I, I remind myself of this all the time. Father, I'm so thankful and grateful that I can trust in an unlimited love so much greater than me. Now you bring it to pass the best way. I don't, I don't care how it works. You just bring it to pass. And so here's the good news. If you've blown it and you feel like you've lost anything, doesn't matter anything, joy, uh, relationships, whatever, he will restore it because he's that good to you. If you're in any kind of financial lack, you can rest because guess what? He will restore it. When you renew your mind to that stuff, stuff should happen to you. Crazy stuff. Let him do it how he wants to do it. Because he loves you that much, right? Does he own everything? Yeah, so if you need something he you ask for it, can you count on that, that you're going to receive it? Yes, now don't get pigeonholed into where it's going to come from. That's my only advice. Because some people go, oh, man, this isn't working. That's not working. No, no, no. He, he, owns, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He can make a cow from another state walk into your yard. <laughs> He's just using examples for, so we can understand this stuff, right? So, so that's why I told my sister, keep your chickens on your own yard. So... <laughs> because they live across the street from us, Mark and Beth do. So anyway, <laughs> we'll take a cow, but chicken, no, they, no. no, they're too messy. to Yeah, too much work for that little thing of meat. So anyway, hey, if you're struggling with health, the best thing I can tell you is stop trying to be healed. Stop trying to believe enough. Stop trying to do anything enough. In fact, if, when I pray for the sick, this is what I was telling the obey, is. I so said, when you go on your missions trip, I just try to comfort them. I go, you know what? He loves you perfectly. And his love for you, his perfect love for you is proof, when you're healed, it's proof of how much he loves you. I promise you, this is how this stuff works. And I go, your job is to do nothing because I don't know their theology. I've, I've prayed for so many people where they're trying to get it right. They're trying to be healed. They're, they're trying to receive. It's no, just, just you do nothing. And then all we do, guys, is we see it as already done right? Just picture it in your mind, all these things. So if anything's lost, how, would, how good would it feel to know what's restored and back? That's prayer. Thank you, Father, that this is happening in my life. Thank you for this supernatural nice stuff in my life. Thank you, Father, for this. I have this vibrant, divine health. Thank you, Father. That's how it works, is through our hearts and minds, the spiritual parts of us. So as Jesus says, what? So are you in this world. So is Jesus joyful? Yes. So if we have any sorrow, he's going to wipe the tear and do what? Bring back joy. Amen? That's what it says, hey, there was joy, there's, there's sorrow, there's weeping for a night, but in the morning what happens? Joy restores. So, hey, it's temporary, I promise. He'll restore it. Does he have divine health? Yes. Can he take your life before you want it to be taken? No. It says, I will satisfy you with long life. I believe that with all my heart. You determine when you're done. Isn't that cool? That's good, isn't it? You just never know. No, we know. We know. You determine it. I'll set read Psalm 91. I satisfy you with divine health. Isn't that cool? I love that stuff. Yes, I will show you my Yeshua. Amen. And he looked at Jesus. Paul walked in that, John walked in that. Ah, you know what? You guys are kind of knuckleheads yet. I, I'd really like to go, but you guys still need me. That was, John, that was John and Paul's argument. I can lay down my life, I can take it out. They couldn't kill those guys until they said, okay, you can kill me. They laid down their life, just like Jesus. Did Jesus lay down his life? You guys think you're killing me. He goes, listen, I could, I could get 10,000 angels, what does it say, legions of angels, and they'd come and kick your rear end. I'm climbing up on that tree because I love us. Is that awesome or is that awesome? So we get to lay down our life. So does, does Jesus have abundance and more than enough? Then you have more than enough. It's a spiritual truth, guys. And the more we get that, it starts to just flow in our life. Amen? You guys got it? So do you have to earn anything? No, no his perfect love has given you everything. As a, as a beloved son and daughter in his family, as the bride of Christ. So Father, we just thank you. We love you. We praise you. Oh, whatever these people need you know, you know, before we even ask, you say yes so that our joy may be full. So let's get that deep in our heart that we don't have to earn it. We don't have to feel unworthy to receive your best robe. We're all worthy to receive your very best. And we're just tired of scraps. Thank you, Father, for supernatural health. We thank you for supernatural things we can believe in, in our businesses, in our our jobs. We thank you for supernatural restoration in our relationships because as Jesus is, so are we. That's what you want our life to look at and we say thank you just let that revelation get deep in our heart thank you for the testimonies thank you for all the all the fantastic things that are happening all over the world as they hear the good news we just say thank you again in Jesus magnificent name Amen, amen amen